hello, and welcome. Episode number 109 of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. My name is Audio Moore. Another week of the NFL season in the books. That was, uh, what was that, week six? Gosh, it's going so fast. Only 11 more weeks of the regular season remaining. And then into the playoffs and whatnot it's it just go it it always goes too fast especially when you have the entertainment value that this league has provided certainly so far this season this was probably the first dud week of the year not a ton of competitive games not a ton of great games couple of blowouts some bad performances nothing super exciting culminating last night on monday night football in a really good Monday night football game that saw the Buffalo Bills lose, which means if the Cincinnati Bengals win next Sunday afternoon against the Baltimore Ravens, they will be the AFC's number one seed through seven weeks. What? You heard me. A lot of that has to do with Joe Burrow. I'll talk about him. He just completed his 16th career Game. So we'll look at Burrow's statistics through 16 career games, which equates out to a normal rookie season. I'm going to revisit this again next week after his 17th game, in which that will be fully, uh, would be recognized as a full season technically because they play 17 games now. We'll talk about that. We'll see where Burrow kind of uh, ranks among everyone else in the NFL. A couple interesting numbers and, and why Tom Brady is just still unbelievable and at the top of his game. A couple of the things I want to talk about. I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes, specifically his brother and his wife, who I actually kind of feel bad for Patrick Mahomes. You might be saying, how could you feel bad for somebody with a $500 million contract? Well, I actually do. Um, an interesting part about Washington football team, and as they continue to be the embarrassment of the National Football League, and they embarrass so many fans on a daily basis and a weekly basis and really have for the last 25 years, we'll talk about them and how they massively, massively screwed up uh, something that was supposed to be done right over the weekend and how Jackson Mahomes, Patrick's brother, actually ties into that. But first, I want to go over the scores from this week and give some thoughts on Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I know that, you know, I don't always, this isn't supposed to be a Bengals-specific podcast, but the majority of my time and attention goes to the Bengals because of what I do for a living. So I have some thoughts to share on that, especially because the Bengals are 4-2, and two, and I don't know that they've really played good yet, and they haven't really played a bunch of good teams either. So let's get underway with week six in the NFL. It started on Thursday night football. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers go to Philly, edge out the, the uh, Eagles 28-22. to Brady now has a 9-1 and record on NFL Network since 2012. Let's go across the pond. Another London game, Jags-Dolphins. Shout out to my guy. Urban Meyer gets his first win in the NFL at the gun. Jags get their first win since week one of 2020. They had lost 20 straight games. They beat the Dolphins 23-20. Both of these teams are 1-5. The Miami Dolphins suck, and it's beautiful because all offseason we heard from Miami Dolphins fans that Tua Tagovailoa is better than Joe Burrow, 
and we heard that Jalen Waddle was better than Jamar Chase, and we heard that the, the Dolphins' offensive line is better than the Bengals' offensive line. The Dolphins stink, and I am taking a lot of pleasure in seeing them fail. Chiefs at the Washington football team. Chiefs take care of this one 31-13. The Washington football team defense has been a massive Massive disappointment. Kansas City has now won eight straight games against them. The Chiefs are three and three. The football team two and four. Another bad football team resides in New Jersey. It's the New York Giants. They fall to the Rams thirty-eight to eleven. Los Angeles is five and one. The Rams, or excuse me, the Giants are one and five. Rams are now five and one start, and that is a uh, second time in the last twenty-one seasons they've started five and one or better. Last time they did it was twenty eighteen. They went to the Super Bowl that year Texans Colts Texans are reminding everybody they stink as well Colts win 31-3 they're two and four Texans are one and five Jonathan Taylor went off second running back with 10 plus yards per carry and two plus rushing touchdowns in a game in Colts history the other one was uh, a guy by the name of Moore Bengals Lions we'll get to that at the end Packers Bears great storyline here we'll talk about this as well in the second segment Aaron Rodgers still owns the Chicago Bears, they've won 19 of the last 22 games against Chicago. 24-14, Rodgers and the Packers over the Bears. Chicago's 3-3, three and three. the Packers are 5-1. and one. Chargers and Ravens, this was the most surprising result of the day. Baltimore dismantles Los Angeles 34-6. The Chargers are now 4-2. and two. The Ravens are 5-1. and one. And Lamar Jackson is 9-0. and oh. In October, he's the only quarterback since the 1970 merger with five-plus starts and zero losses in the month of October. He's got to go through the Bengals next week. We'll talk about that game as well. Vikings and the Panthers. Minnesota takes down Carolina in overtime. How about the Vikings? They started the season 0-3. They've stormed back to win three straight, and it couldn't be more opposite for the Carolina Panthers. They started the season 3-0. They are now 3-3. Both these teams 3-3 as uh, Kendrick Osborne received a 27-yard touchdown from Kirk Cousins in overtime to win that one. Arizona remains the only undefeated team in the NFL. They put a thwacking on the Cleveland Browns, 37-14 in Cleveland. That's the first time the Cardinals have started 6-0 since 1974. The Browns are 3-3 and currently tied for dead last in the AFC North with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Raiders at the Broncos. Raiders get a bounce back after a drama-filled week involving John Gruden, their their uh, new coach, Rich Bisaccia, and I might be saying that incorrectly, gets a win over Denver. Denver proving that they were pretenders when they started 3-0. They are now 3-3. The Vegas Raiders are 4-2. Kenyon Drake becomes the first Las Vegas player with one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown since week two of 2011. That was Darren McFadden. Remember him? Game of the day was Cowboys at the Patriots. CeeDee Lamb catches a 35-yard game-winning field goal touchdown in overtime from Dak Prescott. The Cowboys, by the way, are good. They are very good. You can basically pencil them in for the playoffs. They play in the NFC East. The rest of those teams suck. The Patriots also suck. They're 2-4. And And, uh, Dak Prescott strained his calf on that touchdown throw to CeeDee Lamb. They have a bye this week. Looks like he'll be okay. Seahawks-Steelers Sunday Night Football. Chris Boswell hits a game-winning 37-yard field goal in overtime to bring the Steelers back to 500 at 3 and 3. The Seahawks are 2 and 4. Probably should have beat Pittsburgh. Uh they came out so much better in the second half of that game. This is all keep in mind without Russell Wilson who's out for a while after having surgery recently. Um 
So difficult situation for Seattle to lose that one. Obviously, we always root against Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a bad person, uh, but they are 3-3. Three and three. They have clawed their way back. Bills-Titans, like I said last night, Monday night football, great game. Derrick Henry, 130 uh, rush yards, 130-plus rush yards, and three touchdowns now in two straight games. Titans win that one 34-31. Both of those teams are four and two that was a big win for the titans they needed that i wonder in a 17 game season can they consistently lean on derrick henry that much i think that's a fair question uh julio jones came back and he made an unbelievable catch aj brown was dealing with some food poisoning he looked okay uh they're going to need some more production other than just derrick henry the titans are still good their defense is uh good enough they are going to make some noise going to be interesting to see uh how that shape uh how that shapes out uh cincinnati and detroit Bengals all over the lions 34 to 11 the lions are zero and six they are the last remaining winless team god i am so thankful i'm not a lions fan i mean i, I know what this feels like number one but lions fans especially know what it feels like this is one of the few teams that went zero and 16 just a few years ago they are just so bad. Uh, and, you know, the narrative going into this game was Detroit is not nearly as bad as their 0-5 record might indicate. And I think a lot of people agreed with that. A lot of people thought that. But they played like a team that was actually a lot worse than 0-5. The Bengals have now won seven consecutive games against Detroit. The Bengals are 4-2 and two and uh, in second in the AFC North. So let's talk about the Bengals. I, I think we we have talked a lot about in Cincinnati about the do, do the expectations now receive an adjustment because of how this team has started over the first six games? And I don't think that that's necessarily how it should be because the the talk in the offseason was this is a team that's going to win six, seven. It needs to win at, at, the, at the basement seven games and at the ceiling nine, right? That's seven to nine win range. They need to be around 500. Uh, obviously, you can't be 500 when you play – 17 games but they needed to be in that area for Zach Taylor to save his job and I think so far already this season Zach Taylor has saved his job I think that's fair to say and I think it's also fair to say that through six games the Bengals haven't played some incredible competition they played Minnesota who's three and three they played Chicago who really beat them pretty well and the offense just didn't wake up. They played Detroit, who isn't very good. They played Pittsburgh, who isn't very good. Uh, it's just kind of an eh. They played Jacksonville, who's not very good. So this is when moving into the season now, week seven, against the Baltimore Ravens, who are 5-1, and one, one of the best teams in the NFL. This is a true measuring stick game for Cincinnati coming up on Sunday, right? So I'm really interested to see how this plays out for them because the the questions are being answered about the defense. Whether or not you've played good teams, if the defense is going to play the way they have, which is good enough for eighth in the NFL so far, you are going to be in, in position to win every single week in the NFL. Logan Wilson has six interceptions through 18 career NFL games. He's unbelievable. DJ Reader is an absolute menace inside stopping the run game. Sam Hubbard is one of the best run stoppers in the NFL. Trey Hendrickson, who they paid a bunch of money to in the offseason, has, has been productive in the pass rush game and is getting sacks. 
Von Bell and Jesse Bates, according to Zach Taylor, and I think some people would agree with this, are the best safety duo in the NFL. Cheetah Bay Awuzie, who they paid a bunch of money to as well, has had a complete resurgence from what he was and who he was, the player he was, in Dallas. He's locking people down. Trey Waynes is hurt again. Eli Apple played better on Sunday. There are still question marks. Mike Hilton has played okay out of the slot. Akeem Davis-Gaither, second-year linebacker, I feel is taking steps forward. Jermaine Pratt, you never know what you're going to get from him. Snap in and snap out. But right now it's working. And all this while your offense, despite having Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, C.J. Uzama, is, is kind of sputtering. They're not great right now. Joe Burrow, so far this season – Still completing 70% of his passes through six games. Has thrown 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's on a pace to throw 39. That's going to play. Jamar Chase is fourth in the NFL in receiving yards. And he has 40 less targets than the four people, the three people ahead of him. Think about that for a second. He's 40th in targets and fourth in receiving yards. If that doesn't tell you about the deep threat that is Jamar Chase as he continues to burn teams like he did last week, that's a huge added element to this team. But they're four and two. Joe Mixon's having a good year. All this to say, you know, the offense still has yet to play to its potential. And all last week, we were bothered, hot and bothered about Zach Taylor and his play calling and doesn't use jet motion. He doesn't make the defense, you know, pick and choose. He doesn't put. You know, Joe Burrow in, in easy situations, high-low reads, pre-snap reads, yada, 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 yada. Well, Zach Taylor called a really good game on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. I know the Lions stink, but when it comes to pre-snap, we saw everything from Zach Taylor on Sunday that we had been wanting to see through the first five games. That's a positive sign. I do think Zach is mildly concerned about Burrow because – you know, that is a gruesome knee injury that he's coming back from. And I do wonder if he thought, okay, the first five, six games of this season, we're going to have to be really careful with him. I'm not going to put too much on his plate. I want to see how he reacts. I want to keep him healthy, yada, yada. The Bengals' offensive line hasn't been too terrible. Haven't been great. Haven't been too terrible. Joe Burrow has made some mistakes. Some of those offensive line uh, mistakes are on Joe Burrow. There's a perfect example. Earlier, this, uh, earlier today, I was watching the video. It's a simple pass protection situation. Everyone's going to slide to the left. There's going to be a free runner. Burrow has to get the ball out hot. Hot means you're throwing it basically as soon as you get it. There's a, a, an audible route. Get somebody open. Get the ball out of your hand so you don't take a shot. Burrow messed that up. Burrow didn't know he was supposed to be hot. Burrow didn't see the guy. Takes a sack on a third down, right? So Burrow's going to make mistakes. He's a sophomore basically in the NFL. He just completed his 16th game, so he is technically by numbers – still a rookie, he's going to make some mistakes, right? I and mean, he threw an interception on Sunday. It wasn't really his fault. Went through uh, Jamar Chase's hands, I believe. And, uh, you know, seven interceptions through uh, <laughs> six games is, is not ideal, but Joe Burrow has won them some football games, and I think that's important to, to take note of. Here's the thing about Burrow. Like I said, he just completed his 16th game. That, you know, for the last 40 years has been what – people go by 16 games 16 game seasons uh through 16 games in his nfl career he's completing 67 percent of his passes that's very good he has thrown for 4,228 yards that's 
elite level stuff. He has thrown 27 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. That's pretty good. Obviously, you would like more touchdowns, but hmm, I'll take a 27 to 12 touchdown to interception ratio. Obviously, that needs to go down, but Burrow is making the difference for this team. He's 6 9 and 1 now as a starter for the Cincinnati Bengals. The previous 16 games before Joe Burrow got there, the Bengals were 2 and 14. So immediately, they've gotten better. Now, if this offense can figure it out, Tyler Boyd getting more targets, more ways to scheme him open on third down specifically, getting Joe Mixon involved in the pass game. We saw Chris Evans get involved in the pass game over the weekend. He's very good. All of a sudden, if you can start putting some points up more consistently and your defense continues to play the way that they have, the Bengals are going to be a difficult team to beat. They're going to be a problem. And so that goes back to the the question of do your expectations adjust? I don't think that they do because four and two is it was mildly expected through the first six games. Now you're going to find out some things about them. Two of their next three against AFC North opponents. Baltimore at Baltimore, the Jets at the Jets, and Cleveland at home. Now, Cleveland's banged up. They're way banged up. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, their rookie linebacker, Jeremiah Wusakoromoa, I think I said his name correctly. Odell has suffered some injuries. Baker Mayfield has a dislocated shoulder. Torn labrum, something all ridiculous. The Browns are, are really disappointing, and on top of that, their defense has been terrible. So, all of a sudden... If you are on pace with the Cleveland Browns, at least, if you know you're better than the Pittsburgh Steelers, that all of a sudden makes this conceivable to make a run at this. Now, again, we're six games in. You want to see more consistency. You want to see them do it against better teams. They have a massive test this weekend against the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson's playing some of the best football of his career. He's actually, you know, for the first time since Steve Smith was with the Ravens, they have a deep threat in Hollywood Brown, and and Lamar has started to connect with him down the field. That's important. So the Bengals have to defend that. And on top of that, Lamar's a freak. Not many people have figured him out, have figured out how to defend him, have figured out the various ways to rein him in a little bit. The Bengals did a better job of that last year. But here's the thing about last year. Ravens-Bengals, two games, the combined score, Baltimore 65, Cincinnati 6. Now, Joe Burrow didn't play in the second game. It was the last game of the year. Everybody was quitting. It was over, blah, 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 blah. But (laughs) 65 to 6. They destroyed the Bengals the first time around. Joe Burrow faced a ton of pressure over and over and over again. And you wonder... What are they going to see from Baltimore this time around? Because Joe Burrow against the Blitz is the best quarterback in the NFL. I'll say that again. Joe Burrow against the Blitz is the best quarterback in the NFL. He's first with a 94.3 PFF grade. He has a 136.8 passer rating against the Blitz. That's second. He has a 10.4% big-time throw rate. That's tied for third. He has zero turnover-worthy plays against the Blitz. That's tied for fewest. And he just finished, technically, his 16th game slash rookie season. That's coming, those stats coming from Andrew Russell of Pro Football Focus. The best quarterback in the NFL against the Blitz is about to face a team that loves to blitz. 
So there was a measuring stick game over the weekend for the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. They were at Baltimore, 1 o'clock game. See where I'm going with this? They got beat 34-6. to Justin Herbert had 42 dropbacks in that game. He was pressured on 33 of them. Any idea what the Bengals are going to do or what the Ravens are going to do against the Bengals? Or do the Ravens look at these numbers and say, okay, if we blitz him, he can hurt us? Or do they look back at the tape from last year and say, we're just going to blitz the hell out of them and, and there's nothing they can do? Because this Bengals team is a lot better now than they were a year ago. This is going to be the best Bengals team the Baltimore Ravens have faced since 2018, 2017 maybe? It's going to be a dogfight, I really do believe. I'm not saying the Bengals are better than the Chargers. I'm not saying the Bengals are better than the Ravens. I'm saying the Bengals are better than the Bengals of the last three years. And that's going to count for something. Also, I believe in the, the law of regression of the mean. Some call it the law of averages, but that doesn't exist. The law of regression of the mean. Lamar Jackson's 9-0 in October. Only quarterback ever to win that many games in October with at least five starts. Eventually that has to end, doesn't it? Something to think about. Baltimore also has 16 players on the injured reserve. But uh, all of a sudden, they're 5-1. and one. I think that goes to show just how good John Harbaugh is as a head coach. Here's John Harbaugh talking about just how good the Bengals have been and are this season. Yeah, I, th I think the whole the whole team is uh, is one of the best teams in the National Football League right now. There's no question about it. I mean, just watch them play, you know. And uh, they've got uh, they've done a great job across the board in terms of how they're playing this year. That's all we look at. You know, there is no comparison to anything else. We can compare them to the, the teams they had in the mid-teens. You know, they had great teams. So. There's no comparison. Just look at the team as it stands. The defense is playing great football. The offensive line is, is run blocking, ass blocking. Balls come out of the quarterback's hands quick. The running backs are, I mean, they're kind of beastly in the way they run. We've got our hands full, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a division AFC division, North Division showdown, really. And whoever wins is going to be leading the division kind of at the midway point of the season. So we understand that, but we've always understood that. You know, Bengals, Browns, and Steelers, all these games are like that no matter what. The records really don't matter. These are the kind of games that you expect. So we're excited about it, and we understand the challenge that's in front of us. There are a few people in the NFL I respect more than John Harbaugh. I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he's a great guy. I don't respect his brother very much, but I think John Harbaugh is spectacular. He just said the Cincinnati Bengals are one of the best teams in the NFL. I think that means something. I think 2022 is still the year that the Bengals really – are a contender. But what did we want going into this season? Take a step forward. That's what they've done. And they've got opportunities still remaining. Like I said, they play the New York Jets again. Or they play the New York Jets. That's a game they should win. They play the Pittsburgh Steelers again. That's a game they should win. That puts you at six right there. There's some other winnable games throughout that stretch. Cleveland? This this upcoming game against Cleveland at home right before the bye week? Cleveland's banged up. Their defense isn't any good. That's a winnable game. You've got teams from the West Coast coming to Cincinnati in December. San Francisco, Los Angeles Chargers. That's a winnable game. Those are winnable games. 
What about the the Raiders at Las Vegas after the bye week? How are they adjusting without John Gruden? What about at the Denver Broncos who have proven they're not really a contender right now? The Kansas City Chiefs have the worst defense in the NFL, and they have to come to Paul Brown Stadium on January 2nd. That's a winnable game. So everything is right here in front of the Bengals. Should they stay healthy? Should Joe Burrow stay healthy? Should they be able to continue to run the ball effectively? And the offense ever start to really go? The Bengals have a legitimate chance. But, I mean, that schedule is as as open and as right there it is. It's just as much a difficult schedule as well. Those teams are all good enough to beat the Bengals. It's going to be really interesting to see. I'm I'm very impressed with the way this team has started. I think Zach Taylor has already saved his job, barring him going winless the rest of the way. And I think this team is poised, should they spend money, continue to spend money in the offseason, draft well, re-sign Jesse Bates. This team has a legitimate shot to make some noise in 2022. Uh, when I come back... I want to talk to you about the Washington football team and Patrick Mahomes, how those two things are connected, and Aaron Rodgers. You're listening to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Welcome back to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. I'm Audie Elmore. A couple things briefly. NFL continues to get bad publicity thanks to the Washington football team, which a continued train wreck really for the last 25 years since Daniel Snyder took over that joint. Um, so, like I talked last week, the John Gruden situation, and there were emails between him and Bruce Allen, and Bruce Allen used to be the general manager of, of the Washington football team. And, you know, there's all this different stuff and – it's not a good look, and there would always there there had previously been workplace culture problems with Washington and with the cheerleaders and a lot of sexual harassment claims and just all these different things that were just not good, not good at all, Ernie. And um, they have been become they they are the joke of the league because of how poorly they find ways to handle everything, everything, and so on the heels of. The worst PR week for them in a while with this these emails coming out between Bruce Allen and John Gruden that led to John Gruden getting fired. And by the way, Peter King wrote a, a piece. Uh, he writes his Monday morning quarterback, or he writes Football Morning in America on Monday mornings. And he wrote that some people he talked to within the NFL said that this was like a mafia hit on John Gruden. Somebody out there wanted these emails surfaced and wanted to take out Gruden. And that's basically how it came to be. Basically said that John Gruden understood, uh, also that John Gruden understood why he isn't the coach, but he's also furious that it happened the way that it did. Uh, So there's a lot of different layers to this. But basically, somebody wanted John Gruden out in in Las Vegas and out of the league in general. And a lot of that, you know, could be fingers pointing back at the Washington football team. And so they're having a terrible PR week. And – all of the sudden, out of nowhere, they decide, hey, we're going to um, retire Sean Taylor's number this weekend against the Chiefs. 
and uh, everybody should come out. I'm sorry, what? You told everybody on Wednesday that that this was going to happen, and 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 fans had no clue. There was no like apparently they had been calling people a couple months ago to get people to fly in and celebrate and Sean's family and this that and the other, but they don't tell the fans. They don't tell the fans until Wednesday, Thursday. Like, what are you doing? Like, how stupid are you? And then they're out there saying, "Oh, well, we understand this was short notice, and we apologize for that, but we've been working on this for months." Above, there is no excuse. No excuse for that. What if, what if the Cincinnati Bengals? I would we would be killing the Bengals if they said on Monday of the Thursday night week against Jacksonville, "Hey, we're having a Ring of Honor." What? Hey, we're going to retire uh, Anthony Munoz number tonight. What? Like you don't understand how terrible of a look that is because then it looks like oh we're doing this because we need to cover up how bad of a week it is and how again there's negative attention being shown on our franchise because of our workplace culture which by the way is still under investigation. You know how bad that looks? So bad. So so bad. And it's in- inherently disrespectful to Sean Taylor and Sean Taylor's family. Because this is one of the best players in the history of your franchise who was murdered and, and taken away far too soon. His death rocked the NFL world several years ago. And, and this is the guy that is a fan favorite. You're retiring his number. You're honoring him. You're bringing in his family. All these different things. And you're not going to tell fans about it until a couple days before? How boneheaded is that? Like, how clueless are you actually? It's unbelievable to me that they continue to screw things up. And then, on top of all, by the way, Sean Taylor, one of the best nicknames of all time. His nickname was Meast because he was half man, half beast. R.I.P. Sean Taylor. Then, on top of all of that, you have Jackson Mahomes, the brother of Patrick Mahomes, and a TikTok star. I guess you could call him a TikTok star. I think he's more of a meme himself. Dancing. On Sean Taylor's memorial, which was chained off on the sideline at FedEx Field, doing a TikTok dance on the the number that had been painted on the field and blocked off for Sean Taylor. And there's video of him doing it. Like, what? Sean? Oh, my God. So Jackson Mahomes is, is Patrick's brother, and Patrick's wife's name is Brittany. Brittany and Jackson Mahomes are so embarrassing to the Mahomes family. I actually feel bad for Pat. Like, to be surrounded by two idiots like that. A couple weeks ago, Jackson Mahomes poured water on fans that were booing him at Baltimore. Like, what? And Brittany Mahomes never shuts up. I think her name's Brittany. Never shuts up on Twitter. People just kill her for that. And complaining and saying games are rigged and that shouldn't be an interception and this and that and the other. And then, like, I feel bad for Patrick that he's surrounded by idiots. And then that brought this meme to my attention. And it was a a picture of Aaron Rodgers shaking hands with Patrick Mahomes. And it was a quote there. The caption was a quote like Rodgers was saying it. And it said, You know what I did? I just stopped talking to my family. Sometimes, you know, maybe that might be the best course of action for Patrick Mahomes because those people are foolish. Then you look at uh, at Rodgers, for example. 
Rodgers comes into to Chicago over the weekend and buries the Chicago Bears again. He's now 22-5 and five against the Chicago Bears. And he runs a touchdown in, puts basically the coffin nails, and his team's down there celebrating. And you got these Chicago fans down there giving him the bird. And the microphones pick up Rodgers saying, I own you. I still own you. I've owned you my whole effing life. Blah, 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 blah. I own you. And, you know, if there's any, any, if you ever need proof as to why Aaron Rodgers is my favorite player in the NFL, I mean, there is video evidence right there. Scores the game-winning touchdown. Scores the, the game-icing touchdown. Does the discount double-check. Stands up, says, I own you. I still own you. I've always effing owned you my whole life. That's, that's amazing. It's just incredible. And Bears fans, it just wrecks their world. I saw this incredible Reddit user posted to something that said, today was a reminder that Aaron Rodgers is real. And once a year, he comes into my life and Fs the whole thing up. Twice a year, he comes into my life and Fs the whole thing up. He said, I expect Aaron Rodgers to be sitting there on my deathbed next to me, telling me that he still owns me even as I die. Aaron Rodgers, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, is a bad man. Uh, I want to quickly, before we move on and finish out this episode, I want to talk I want to talk about Joe Burrow again real quick and and some of the leaders in the NFL through six weeks Tom Brady leads the NFL in passes completed in pass attempts and in passing yards he's second in passing touchdowns Tom Brady by the way is like 900 years old Joe Burrow is sixth in the NFL in passing touchdowns he has 14 Burrow is seventh in passer rating Burrow is fourth in passes intercepted not good but two people ahead of him Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Burrow has been sacked 16 times. That's good for seventh in the NFL. He's third in the NFL in yards per pass attempt at 8.9. That's a good. That's good news. Brady, by the way, still uh, first in passing yards per game. He's 900 years old. So I mean, the 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 season that Joe Burrow having is having number one is great. Sixth in net yards per pass attempt. Sixth in adjusted yards per pass attempt. Seven in yards per pass completed. Fifth in... Oh, that's the wrong one. But, I mean, he's having a, a spectacular season. Joe Mixon, fifth in rushing yards a game. Joe Mixon, fourth in the NFL in, re- in rushing yards. Jamar Chase, fourth in the NFL in receiving yards. Fourth in the NFL in receiving touchdowns. This, this offense, man, if they can just get some consistency... Start spreading the ball around, run it effectively on first down. They're going to be good. They are going to be good. Um, things are going to get a little hairy over the next couple weeks when it comes to the college football playoff. And Cincinnati and Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, dare I say, that team up north, things are going to get hairy. We're going to hopefully talk about that. Uh, next week, as uh, I have a couple, I have a scenario in my head, and I want to wait another week and see what happens before I come at any of you with this potential scenario. If you are listening to this on Tuesday, October the nineteenth, I will be hosting Cincy three hundred and sixty on ESPN fifteen thirty from noon to two on Wednesday. If you're listening to this on Wednesday morning. I'll be hosting Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530 from noon to 2 today. You should tune in. 
We're going to be talking about the Bengals. We'll be talking about the Bearcats. We'll be talking about um, a plethora of things. Uh, Mo Egger will join me for quick hits and locks of the night. Hoping to have Mo on after the Bengals and Browns as we uh, assess the team at the bye week. Hoping for that. I'll talk to him about that. Um, uh, meaning Mo on this podcast and uh, various other issues as well. And, and it's going to be exciting. And I, uh, I implore you all to tune in and uh, have a great time doing so. This was fun. I'm off. I will, uh, hopefully you'll hear my voice tomorrow as I pull up the music here and just try to buy some time. Remember that, um, well, what should you remember? You should remember to have fun. You should remember to be safe. You should remember to go bucks and always remember that bottom line.